case file number 2.11. Ransomware is real. Observed by Agent Crenshaw. Subject 1, alias Hackalope. Subject has a history of working in computer security for over 20 years. He has been observed to several Fortune 500 companies and federal agencies during that period. He has been amassing historical information related to espionage and covert action as well as corporate malfeasance. Subject 2, alias Emir. Subject has a history of working in computer security for the last 10 years. He has been observed at NASA facilities regularly. We've also tracked him to the gym where he seems to be bodybuilding. We are amassing evidence to charge him with felony for skipping leg day and curls on the squat rack. Subjects are suspected of having information related to hacking the Gibson. Uh, the accounting subject and the Gibson's working really hard. I think we got a hacker. So, Ymir. Yeah. You read the news recently? Uh, which news? Because there's just so much crap going on. <laughs> Yeah, well, today we're going to violate one of our rules and we're going to talk about current events. <laughs> we're going to talk about the uh, our evil uh, ransomware attack. Oh, yeah, I, I saw that pop up and my initial thought was like, oh, awesome, like a new Resident Evil coming out because I just finished playing Village. <laughs> well, no, and spoiler, so that we don't bury the lead, the day before we're recording this, their entire um, infrastructure went dark. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow, interesting. Okay. So, the story about our evil starts with the previous generation, you know, Mac Daddy ransomware. Hmm. Ransomware as a service system, which is Gand Crab. Is that like the Gandalf version of like a crab? You know, when I first saw it, I thought that they meant to say Grand Crab, but... I honestly didn't get... Oh, no, just like drop the R. Yeah, but I honestly didn't get a really good peg on on what the, the uh, genesis of the name was. Yeah. Um, it's possible I was skipping past the first two paragraphs of everything I was reading, and I totally missed it. Yeah, if, if they're like... If, if the... Um the profile picture for that or whatever uh like the little oh it's a crab is it a crab it's definitely a crab it should definitely have like (laughs) you look at beard and like the pipe and the gandalf hat (laughs) but no (laughs) it turns out it doesn't although it's possible that uh they don't get all all of our cultural references but that's true we'll we'll, we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about that uh early well we'll give some lip service to that but so gand crab was first noticed back in january 2018 uh, operated for a total of about 15 months, and it was a ransomware as a service platform. And we talked a little bit about ransomware as a service, which started out, which uh, came in during the era we talked about in the second ransomware episode. Mm-hmm. And because this is 2018, a lot of stuff we were talking about there was like 2014, 2015-ish. We're skipping ahead a few years, and there's uh, we're not going to talk about that, but things have been escalating since then. As we all have become aware. (laughs) Anyway, this was the first ransomware to use the, or ask for payment in the Dash cryptocurrency. I don't think I've heard that one. Yeah, me, uh, well, I know that I've seen reference to it before, but I don't know very much about it. Oh, is that, is that based on the My Little Pony? Because that that sounds very familiar. Ransomware is magic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but uh, they used a .bit top-level domain, which is not one of the top-level domains that uh, ICANN distributes. Oh, okay. So as kind of an extra degree of security, they're not exposing the searches for the top-level domain stuff to the root authorities. 
for kind of more on all the mechanics, see the DNS episodes. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it's not based on my little pony. I just looked it up. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought you were joking, which is why. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, there's Dogecoin, so I was like, I would not put it past someone to start that. Yeah, we'll we'll do an episode on on cryptocurrency at some point. But yeah. every time I start on one, I'm like, oh my god, it just never ends. This is worse than conspiracy <laughs> theories. There's just so much going on there. It's it's crazy. Uh, anyway, so they they updated. They went through five major versions. And we'll talk about why they they moved off of their first version in like in less than a week, apparently. Yeah. So they had command and control. They used like manual lookups uh, using NS lookup oh. for hard-coded DNS names for, for at least some of their command and control. They had an estimated impact of uh, 425,000 infections. Okay. And uh, so we ended up getting decryptors for a lot of this. Right now, it, no more ransom. There is a decryptor for Gand Crab, although they pulled up stakes uh, in 2019. So, um, hopefully if you got infected, you, you know, figured out how to deal with it without needing a decryptor or you found it already, but they definitely had decryptors for version one, version five and version four and version five. Um, I couldn't get straight between the different articles I read, whether or not the version two and three had decryptors or what if the tool did everything i just i didn't have enough time to try and figure all of that out right if it's important to you or any of the listeners <laughs> no more ransom.org anyway the first version you think that we've talked about you know how there were like sometimes poor randomness or poor crypto implementation mm-hmm. yeah yeah, this wasn't that. They didn't secure their web server. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and they admitted that, yeah, they, they made an oopsie. And <laughs> they were like, oh, our bad. Released version two. Right. Yeah. But for another for, for another one, there was it was really kind of a crazy story. Dateline Syria. <laughs> a Syrian man had his computer infected and encrypted by Gandcraft. And it encrypted all of his files, including all of the photos of his kids who had been killed. And he ended up tweeting this tragedy that these ransomware operators wanted 600 bucks so that he could see his kids again Uh in photo because that was all he had left. And it turns out that ransomware operators do have a heart. Mm. And actually, uh, on, on a side note from that, they're one of the, um, there was a ransomware operator and I'm blanking on the name of it, where after a couple of weeks of, in operation, he just pulled up stakes and published the decryption information and just got out of the game. Oh, really? Yeah. He, did he give any reason as to why he did that? Yeah, he, he was like, he didn't realize how much damage he was doing. Oh, okay. He was just kind of like dabbling in it and then he was like, oh, crap. Yeah, uh, well, it was probably more along the lines of, hey, I can make, you know, got caught up in that you could make a lot of money doing this. And then right, you're not realizing the harm. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's true for a lot of property crime, and this is property crime, that the damage done is a order of magnitude or multiple orders of magnitude more than the, uh, than the, the offender got out of the crime itself. Right. Yeah. A classic example of somebody busts a car window in to grab something off the seat. That thing off the seat might be worth 10 bucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Change in the ashtray, and it's 
you know, at least 150 and sometime depending on the window and whatnot, you know, hundreds of dollars to get the uh, window fixed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And this, you know, as with all things in computers, this just gets worse. (laughs) Anyway, so these operators had a heart and they released not just a decryptor for him, but a decryptor for everybody in Syria that was affected. Oh, okay. And, you know, that decryptor was posted on No More Ransom uh, pretty quickly. And then the No More Ransom folks, in collaboration with Bitdefender and the Romanian police, mm-hmm. released a, a wider decryption tool for everything encrypted with that version based on what they learned from that decryptor. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. That'll teach you um, <laughs> to have a heart. Anyway, so they disappeared in May of 2019. They claim to have made a total of $2 billion for them and all of their affiliates because they're ransomware as a service. They had a bunch of affiliate folks that were actually infecting victims and they were just providing the infrastructure to make all of it happen. Right. And they said that they themselves made $150 million out of their cut. How long was that that they ran? About 15 months. Okay. Yeah. So, so not about all- $10 million a month? Yeah. <laughs> Every month. Anyway, they they said in their goodbye uh, message that they showed it was possible to make more than a lifetime of earnings in a single year, <laughs> uh, and then they were going to go enjoy the their their ill gotten gains for um, and retire. Mm-hmm. So we don't think they were retired, or at least we don't think that they all retired. <laughs> um, there have been a bunch of attempts to identify. Uh, particular people. Krebs on security did a bunch of stuff for identifying the Gand crab. It's still hard to do individual attribution and, you know, who was a carryover from one to the other, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in comes Soden Okibi. I, I did try and uh, uh, figure out how to pronounce this, but nobody had a phonetic spelling that I could see. <laughs> <laughs> what they found was that at least one of the affiliates distributed both Gand Crab and Sodano Okibi to the same set of victims. Hmm, okay. And Cisco Talos noticed code similarities between the two. They weren't direct code, uh, one-for-one code stuff, but there was a lot of particular artifacts in the way that they did certain kinds of generation. Hmm. And the fact that like one of them was creating a random file name length, they used the same kind of multiple pass method to it, which is, it was a unique artifact, something that you wouldn't necessarily do that way or get from a code example. Hmm. We don't know if that's just a distributor and affiliate in common, or if it was, or if it's the same core group. Right, yeah. We do know that kind of the mouthpiece for our evil goes by the handle unknown, he was known for recruiting affiliates in cybercrime forums right around the transition time. And we also know that the end of Gand Crab, some of their better affiliates were kind of falling off distribution right at the end of Gand Crab. Hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. So they may very well have known. Yeah. So the thing about this time period is we're starting to see not just ransomware doing ransomware, but ransomware doing blackmail. Mm. This is actually a new thing. Um, According to to some uh, researchers, they were starting to see forums on the dark web side of things, trying to post, become repositories, and and make use of, of blackmail material. Okay. But the first case I could find 
explicitly talking about being blackmailed based on a ransomware attack mm. was Vastamo, a Finnish psychotherapy clinic in October 2020. So they were they were blackmailing the actual clinic or like the users? The, the individuals. So okay. they, the clinic paid the ransom. Uh-huh. The attacker threatened individual patients with releasing their, their therapy session notes. Oh, okay. I, w- I was wondering, like, because I was like, you know, blackmail to me would be attacking, like, like ransomware on the individual and taking the files and be like, haha, look, I got your nudes now. I'm going to, like, upload them. But yeah, yeah that makes sense if you have all the patient's um, healthcare information. Yeah. Well, you may have heard that the law firm of Grubmanshire, Mazalis, and Sachs uh, in May 2020 was blackmailed for client info. I had not, not heard that, but. So they stole about a terabyte's worth of data. And among other things, they demanded a ransom of $42 million from Donald Trump. And uh, there were other celebrities that were very likely affected by this. Oh, wait, no, I did hear about this. That's right, yeah. I believe that they got an injunction in court to not allow the, the data to be released because, you know, that works on cyber criminals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it might give them some leverage if anybody that is hosting any of that data is within the the legal reach of this injunction. Mm, yeah. I wouldn't be counting on that, but I guess it's it's at least due diligence to to do whatever you can to make sure that you have some standing to do a takedown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, this one was attributed to our evil. Oh, okay. And they actually they had a few other actions. And um there's a lot of reporting of everybody that that's been affected by our evil. There was the um Coop supermarket chain that had to shut down like 500 stores because their payment system was uh hosted in one of the affected places. Oh, really? Okay. Damn. So there's been a lot of talk about this kind of recent double and triple threat because not just are they attacking the end users, they're also attacking managed service providers. Yeah. And there are the actual end users for sensitive information. So you have multiple kinds of victims from the same attack and one of them paying you doesn't prevent the other ones from paying you. Yeah. If my doctor's office got hacked, my initial would, thought would be like, okay, like, you know, my account, I just got to change the password on it. But then if they, you know, steal my information and then they're blackmailing the doctor on that, it's like that opens the doctor to a lot of legal liability as well. Cause yeah. And they could blackmail you, you and you directly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They could blackmail like, yeah, both of us. Um, yeah. Not that I have anything in my medical records to hide, but <laughs> just my sleep apnea. Well, Maybe I do have a thing or two to hide. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Well, anyway, so Huntress Labs has done a lot of really, did some really good technical breakdowns of two different occurrences that were specifically about managed service providers, MSPs, being affected. Mm-hmm. The first write-up was in June of 2019. And the attackers were targeting remote management via RDP. Okay. They had two cases of attacks specifically using Sada no Kibi using RDP. Mm-hmm. It was reported at the time that the attackers might be using VSA, but that was later proven to not be the primary vector, may not have been a vector at all. Okay. Huntress Labs wasn't able to confirm VSA mm-hmm. and showed a lot of other things. They used 
uh, WebRoot to execute a PowerShell payload. WebRoot then started enforcing multi-factor authentication <laughs> so that stored credentials could be used. Mm -hmm. But the attack that everybody's hearing about did use Kesia VSA, uh, which is Kesia Virtual System Administrator. Now, Kesia is a US-based software vendor. Mm -hmm. It was founded in 2001 right. and it's based out of Miami, Florida. They provide network and systems management software for enterprises and managed service providers. They have a cloud offering. They're apparently, based on the reporting I was able to read, this only affected their kind of on-prem user-managed stuff and mm. not the software as a service. Right, right, yeah. So this time, uh, there was some talk about it being a supply chain attack, but that doesn't look like what actually happened. What actually happened is that the attackers were able to use an authentication bypass exploit to bypass authentication in the uh, virtual system administrator, their VSA console, um, and then use two more vulnerabilities, one for arbitrary file upload and one for code injection hmm, okay. in order to execute what they wanted on VSA. Right. And they used the VSA built-in update mechanism to distribute the ransomware to all of the endpoints. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Once you get control of it, you can just push out. Exactly. Like, why should I reinvent the wheel of your automation? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, you're just going to allow me to like deliver the payload? Sure. This affected six major customers of of, um, of Kesia, six MSPs, which then caused the infection of thousands of their customer, of the MSP customers. Hmm, okay. And it infected... I saw reports of, a th of, of over a thousand. I saw reports of over 1500 different companies affected, not endpoints, but companies. Yeah. Yeah. Them. Yeah. It's just really widespread. It kind of makes me wonder. I used to, I used to work for an MSP. Mm -hmm. That was my first gig fresh out of college for like a few months still, but I hated it. It kind of makes me wonder if they, they were using this thing. Yeah. So our evil has been actively ransoming things since May of 2020. Hmm. And after the big uh, Kesia infection, they got so much notoriety and everything that they offered a bulk decryption rate. They have <laughs> a universal decryptor for $70 million. Okay. Which is the, I think the largest single recorded ransom asked for. So that's, that's kind of basically like, hey, you guys can all just pool your funds together and buy, buy this. If you think about it, that's possibly an exit strategy. Them mm. trying to get out by cashing in quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The thing that I think lends credence to that is that they lowered it to 50 million shortly after. Yeah, they were like, oh crap, we just got a lot of notoriety. Let's, uh, let's bail. Well, there were also, uh, because of the magnitude of this, the president, President Biden, actually uh, spoke to Vladimir Putin about it. Well, he had spoken to Vladimir Putin previously about ransomware, but he spoke to him, apparently spoke to him explicitly on this. Okay. Threatened response actions, which were not elaborated on, and you wouldn't hmm. expect them to. Yeah, yeah. So everything disappeared, like disappeared from their command and control to the systems that they had put in place to negotiate with victims unknown which was who was acting as their mouthpiece found his accounts revoked on the uh, on the cyber criminal forums that he was on oh, now we know that there have been some previous takedowns the dark side was 
taken down pretty recently. But this doesn't have some of the same hallmarks. And one of the kind of big questions is whether this was a response by Cyber Command or some other U.S. government-initiated entity, mm-hmm. whether Putin actually responded and uh, it was a, a Russian response, or right. they decided to get out of Dodge with as much money as they as uh, they had collected so far, so far, and uh, decided to not press their luck and not hit a whammy. Or burned all the bridges and ran. Yeah. We know that there are potentially some fairly sophisticated actors that were willing to mutate and change code bases and change up their infrastructure and organization when we went from Gandcrab to, uh, to our evil. So I don't think that we can say that it's a small likelihood that they decided to get while the getting was good. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. In terms of the cyber command, whether it was a cyber command action, it doesn't have the same hallmarks of the dark side takedown. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't have the details of that handy, but the reporting was definitely was that it wasn't the same kind of activity. Uh-huh. But I would say that if I were threatening this kind of to to police this kind of stuff, I was taking action as cyber command. In preparation for this, I would make sure that I had multiple strategies to go to, so that the the actors that I'm going against don't know what I'm going to do once I do a single takedown. I won't show my entire hand by having multiple approaches. Right, yeah. So that, to me, is plausible. We see some of that in various espionage stories. There's a great podcast called I Spy, which was put out by Foreign Affairs, which has uh, spies from like pretty much the Cold War era telling stories about actions that they were involved in. That's cool. It's a really great podcast. I recommend it. And no not sponsored or affiliated, but uh, in one of the, the, the ones that I listened to the twist at the end was that after they stole an encryption device, Joanna Mendoza, who was the head of, uh, of, um, of disguises for the technical services division for a while. Um, And she's been talking about this stuff. She's, she's been doing some cool stuff for, for like, our entire lives. <laughs> but what she got, what she was told was that this, that that whole thing was a misdirection operation, that they had direct human intelligence that was giving them all of the reads of all the information that they were getting. And in order to kind of show another way that they could get that data, mm-hmm. presuming that they had the signals intelligence was that they stole this decryption device Interesting. in order to pull suspicion away from this guy. And this, you know, shows that there's multiple ways of getting at the information and they wanted to create misdirection of which approach that they were, u- they were using. And I think that that would be a similar idea might be the right way to go about if you're deciding to actually try and be the internet police, at least for ransomware, you wouldn't want to try and you wouldn't want to do the same thing every time. Cause we know that the attackers adapt every time we do some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And these actors, these, uh, Gan, Crab, and our evil, and everything operating at that level, Dark Side and, and um, Baku, as well, is, the, is the other big one right now. We know that they have lots of money to work with, that they probably have a fairly significant amount of funding to start with. Mm-hmm. So they have the ability to invest in ways to defeat the, the known attacks against them, the known takedowns. Right. As soon as they, they get 
their own kind of forensic. They, they may be acting as, as, the, uh, as the cat in that case instead of the mouse, but that doesn't mean they can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, just for reference, there is a group called Gold Southfield, which is probably providing the infrastructure. And in both the case of Gand Crab and Our Evil, the they are believed to be Russian operators. Huh, okay. And ransomware being what it is, I haven't found a really strong tie between nation state activity of ransomware and intelligence activity. But knowing what I have learned about kind of the permeability between their private and public sector, yeah. chances are there's a crossover, if not of actual organizations and, and, and uh, an organizational connection. There are probably people that have that have bounced between the two different worlds. Yeah, it makes sense. Anyway, so that's the background on the R evil stuff that everybody is seeing in their news feed the past you know 24 48 hours so i think the, that the actually the big follow-up we need to do on on this is probably cryptocurrency and its many uses in the uh, dark world yeah yeah that would be kind of a fascinating one to hit so come back next week for uh which one are you working on now uh logging uh, centralized logging specifically i have much experience with sims and centralized logging and splunk i can't wait oh no my mind's all about actual logging like lumberjack shit so oh diverging completely from technology oh well, actually uh sneak peek at a story we may very well do is the brazilian permit system for logging permits was hacked at one point uh allowing for the printing of billions of dollars worth of uh fraudulent uh, uh lumber permits nice so at this point best i can tell that is the largest single hack of all time if the group that hacked them was not named some sort of derivative of Paul Bunyan, then I will be severely disappointed. Maybe it was blue something. Oh, that's true. Eternal blue, it all connects! <laughs> Recording notes can be found at www.hackingthegibson.online. Follow Hack the Gibbs 1 on Twitter to get notified of new recordings. Support the continued observation of Hacking the Gibson on Patreon.